Welcome to the Friends of Israel today. I'm Steve Conover, and with me, as always, is our host and teacher, Chris Katolka. Have you visited our website, foiradio.org? After this episode ends, I invite you, if you haven't been there yet, to visit foiradio.org. It's there. We have over eight years' worth of programming on our site. Again, that's foiradio.org. Steve, I'm holding in my hands our most recent issue of Israel, My Glory, which is called On the Road to Zion, a devotional tour of the Holy Land. And actually, today we're going to have our program ministries director, Bruce Scott, on to talk about two articles that he wrote, two devotional pieces that he wrote, actually. Uh, He was given the great privilege of writing about Jerusalem, the heartbeat of God, the place where God would place his name, and also a a name that's very familiar to many people, talking about the Via Della Rosa. Uh, What does that mean? And what does it mean for us as Christians? Well, Bruce is going to unpack all that. And also, we're going to give our listeners an opportunity if they've never subscribed before to Israel My Glory to receive a one-year free subscription. Uh, We're going to give you more details on how you can get that. So stay tuned. It's always a joy to have Bruce Scott on the program with us. But first in the news, Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu praised the Israeli Defense Forces, Shin Bet, and Israeli citizens for what he called a perfect job in Operation Shield and Arrow in Gaza. This after more than 1,200 rockets were launched from Gaza toward Israel by terror organization Islamic Jihad, which is funded heavily by Iran. Steve, here's my take. The prime minister and his team acted quickly and took the terrorists of Islamic Jihad by surprise. But this is just a fresh reminder for us that Israel remains surrounded by enemies who want to see the Jewish state disappear. But as Netanyahu put it, those who hurt Israel or even try to are putting their lives in danger. Well, with me is none other than Bruce Scott, a colleague, a dear friend. Uh, Bruce and I used to lead trips to Israel together for several years, and not just uh, any trip. uh, It was our young adult trip to Israel origins. And so I hope that comes up a little bit in our conversation as we talk about our most recent issue of Israel, My Glory, which is On the Road to Zion, a devotional tour of the Holy Land. And I know that's something that is near and dear to the heart of Bruce and myself, that we love connecting people with the scriptures as it comes to the land of Israel. But even more so, when we get a chance to take you to the land of Israel and to walk you through what the scriptures teach as we take you from location to location. Bruce, I'm so glad you're with me on air today. Thank you, Chris. It's great to be with you. Bruce, we're looking at our uh, most recent issue of Israel, My Glory, uh, which is titled On the Road to Zion. Uh, you actually have two articles in in this issue. And uh, the first one is called Jerusalem of Gold. Uh, but the subtitle to your article is one that caught my attention. Uh, it says, uh, Jerusalem of Gold, uh, welcome to the only city in the world where God has chosen to place his name. Bruce, can you define that a little bit more? What, what, what does it mean that uh, Jerusalem is the only place where God has chosen to place his name? Sure. Well, it's interesting. There are a number of uh, passages in the Old Testament, uh, especially in the Torah, uh, when God brought Israel out of Egypt and then uh, went with them through the wilderness and then eventually brought them into the promised land. As he 
set up the sacrificial system, he told them that they were not supposed to do sacrifices anywhere else except the place that he chose. And they didn't know where that was going to be. Event, you know, eventually, once they got into the, uh, the promised land, they had the tabernacle set up at uh, Shiloh. Uh, but, and that's where sacrifices took place for a while, but that wasn't the place where God was going to permanently set up uh, the sacrificial uh, system and where those sacrifices were supposed to take place. And eventually, that was identified as the city of Jerusalem. Uh, when uh, David was there and he established the city of David on the southern part of the uh, eastern ridge of Jerusalem. Eventually, if you, uh, as you remember the story, uh, when um, David numbered the people and he wasn't supposed to do that, and uh, there was a plague among the people as a judgment for what he did, and then when when God stopped that judgment, um, David saw that the angel of the Lord was at the top of the ridge which is biblical Mount Moriah. And it was there that he, he bought that area. Uh, King David bought that area. And that's eventually the place where Solomon built his temple. So this area and the city of Jerusalem itself was the place where God said, that's the place I have chosen to put my name. That's the place where I am going to identify myself with. And because of the sacrificial system, but ultimately because of what he would do with the promised Messiah, his own son, uh, the Lord Jesus. This would be the location that would change all of history, that would uh, provide salvation for all those who put their faith in the promised Messiah. There was a specific location on planet Earth where God said this was going to be the place where that was going to happen. And this was the city that he chose to identify himself, his name, with. It wasn't New York. It wasn't Paris. It wasn't Rome. It was Jerusalem. So this is a very significant uh, place and a very important uh, statement on the part of God. Bruce, can I ask you, you know, someone might be thinking, okay, that was nice for the Old Testament, but in the New Testament, you know, uh, isn't God done with that? Is is Jerusalem still the only place where he places his name? Yes, it is. There is no other place in Scripture uh, that's mentioned where God says, uh, you know what, I think I'm going to add my name over to this place as well. <laughs> he, he doesn't say that. It's This is the only place because of the historical significance of it, the prophetic significance of it, the redemptive significance of it. And it's also going to be the place where uh, the Messiah, the Lord Jesus, returns in the future and where he he will sit on uh, the throne of David. Again, not in some other city, but in the temple in the city of Jerusalem. So this is where he's going to place his name where he has placed his name and where he's going to keep his name in the future. You know, Bruce, I love that you brought this up too, because uh, this is a whole other radio show, but it's funny when you study through the Old Testament, how uh, oftentimes the Israelites would find themselves building 
uh, uh, places of worship to Baal or Ashtarot, or they would build what they called high places. And, it, you know, it was the job of the kings to tear those high places down. And oftentimes they didn't because the central place of worship was Jerusalem. Instead of the high places, it was the place of Jerusalem. But Bruce, in your devotional piece on Jerusalem, which I'm not going to make you sing Jerusalem of gold on the radio program, I promise. Okay. But uh, as you're, as, uh, as, as we look at Jerusalem, you actually have it divided up into two sections in your devotional, the tunnel and the pool, uh, and, and then also the Temple Mount area. Let's start with the tunnel and the pool, Bruce. What, what is the tunnel and the pool? And why is this so important to understanding Jerusalem? Well, the tunnel refers to what is often called Hezekiah's tunnel. And the reason is that uh, King Hezekiah, when Jerusalem was being uh, threatened by the Assyrians at one point, he built a stone wall to protect uh, Jerusalem from the Assyrians. But he also wanted to make sure that Jerusalem's water supply uh, was not cut off by the threatening army. So he had this underground tunnel that's over 1,700 feet long uh, dug. And it's, it's such an interesting story because there was an, an inscription that was found in the, in the tunnel wall. And it was an inscription written by the tunnel diggers, mm-hmm. the workers, after they had completed it. And they came from opposite ends. And then they eventually met up, and the tunnel is just a, a fascinating uh, work of craftsmanship, how they were able to, to build this tunnel uh, through stone and to bring the water of the Gihon Spring into Jerusalem. And it's so much fun. If you ever get to go to Jerusalem, uh, it's so much fun to walk through that tunnel. Uh, and some tour groups don't do it because they don't want to get wet. Yeah. <laughs> but... It is it is so much fun to do it. And you do get wet. I mean, you're, you don't get soaked. It's sometimes the water level, the water that's still running through it gets above your knees. But it's so much fun to to go through that. And uh, so often with the groups that, that I've led through there, it has such uh, wonderful acoustics. We sing hymns. We sing songs of praise to the Lord. It just reverberates off the wall. Uh, so the reason why that's important is because Hezekiah brought fresh water into Jerusalem, but also because it connected to a an amazing pool that, especially during the time of King Herod, was was probably this this massive pool that was uh, probably uh, uh, hundreds of feet. In, in size, uh, certainly larger than swimming pools today. But it was discovered in uh, 2004, at least part of it was discovered in 2004, and they excavated it. And we know it today as, from John chapter 9 as the Pool of Siloam, the pool that Jesus uh, told the, the blind man that he had put uh, of mud on his eyes, this blind man who was at the temple area and was blind from birth, told him to go and walk down all the way down to the pool of Siloam. And if he would wash himself in that, that he would see. And we know he did that. He he went in faith and he was uh, he was healed. He was able to see when he got out. 
Well, this is the pool that uh, the water runs into from the uh, uh, Hezekiah's tunnel. And that pool of water, uh, or you don't see much of that today. Part of it has, has been excavated, the Pool of Siloam. But uh, recently, the Israeli Antiquities Authority and the National Parks Authority announced that they uh, have begun further excavation of that. The last I heard is that so far, interestingly enough, they have not found much of the remains of the other half, but they're still working on that. But it's amazing to go there and to just picture in your mind this blind man trusting what Jesus said, and he walked down this pilgrim road that they're just now excavating that goes all the way from the Temple Mount south to the Pool of Siloam, and he came up seeing. We're speaking with Bruce Scott, who is the program ministries director at the Friends of Israel Gospel Ministry. And we're going to come back with uh, Bruce in a moment. But first, let me share with you, if you've been encouraged by what Bruce had to say uh, through his article, Jerusalem of Gold, then I want to encourage you to get our magazine, Israel My Glory, so that you can read it yourself. If you've never subscribed to Israel My Glory, then I want to encourage you to go to foiradio.org. And there you can get a one-year free subscription to our award-winning Christian magazine. Uh, If you are interested in anything related to Israel, the Jewish people, the Middle East, but you want to see it through a biblical worldview, then you need to get your hands on Israel My Glory, again, by going to foiradio.org. And there you can either subscribe to our print edition— We'll send you a copy of Israel, My Glory, or you could actually subscribe to our digital edition, which I highly encourage you to do because there you not only can you get our most recent issues of Israel, My Glory, but you can also get 40 years of our amazing award-winning Christian magazine right on your tablet, computer, or cell phone. So I encourage you to go to foiradio.org if you've never subscribed to Israel My Glory, not only to read Bruce's articles, but several others uh, as it relates to On the Road to Zion, a devotional tour of the Holy Lamb. Bruce, um, we are continuing our discussion on your articles, Jerusalem of Gold. And I want to ask you a, a last question and related to the first article, uh, which is we looked at the the tunnel and the pool, but now let's talk about the Temple Mount area. Let's talk about this significant place because I feel like you're taking us on a journey. We went down through Hezekiah's tunnel. We were in the pool uh, of Siloam, and now we're going back up the, the Pilgrim's Road to the Temple Mount. So let's chat about the Temple Mount. Why is this area so important to God choosing Jerusalem as the city, the place where he would place his name? Well, it's so important. The Temple Mount really is the heart of Jerusalem. And uh, in fact, the rabbis used to say that uh, Israel was the center of the earth. Jerusalem was the center of Israel and the Temple Mount was the center of Jerusalem. This is where everything important took place in terms of God's redemptive plan. This is the location of where Solomon's temple was built. This is the location of where Zerubbabel's temple was built and then later uh, refurbished by King Herod and expanded by King Herod. This is the area where Jesus taught many times uh, during his earthly ministry. This is the area where the sacrifices took place. And this is uh, such an important place because God said, this is where 
all of these activities in getting right with me was to take place. So the Temple Mount is, is very important. And uh, today, you know, you go there, you don't see, obviously, the temple. The temple was destroyed in AD 70 by the Romans. Uh, but what is there today are, are uh, two Muslim structures, the Dome of the Rock, which is a Muslim shrine, which is in the center of the, uh, the Temple Mount. It's the building that has the gold dome. And then you have the Al-Aqsa Mosque, which is on the southern end of the, uh, the Temple Mount complex, which is actually a, a mosque where uh, Muslims will, will go to pray. But the Temple Mount area is extremely important because of all of these things. And, you know, if you want to go to places where Jesus actually walked, you know, there are some places when you go to Israel and Jerusalem, some people say, well, this is, you know, where Jesus was. Well, you don't really know for sure. But when you go to the Temple Mount, you can say for sure he walked in this area, mm-hmm. especially the southern steps that they have uncovered and excavated, uh, southern steps leading up to the uh, the gates that would lead a, a, a pilgrim up to the, the, uh, the mount itself. Jesus, for sure, must have walked up those steps, at least on some occasions. So... Uh, it's a very significant place. Uh, that that kind of concludes our time talking about your first article. I really want to touch briefly, though, on your second article, Bruce, that you have called Via Della Rosa. And, you know, that's a name that people all over the world know. Uh, some of our listeners uh, may have not even stepped foot in Jerusalem before, but they've heard the name Via Della Rosa. Bruce, what is the Via Della Rosa? And, and, and again, why, why does it matter? Well, it's a Latin phrase that means the way of sorrow, and it refers to the path that some Christians have thought that Jesus took after he was condemned by a Pilate to be crucified. They think that this was the path, the, the street, the road that Jesus took to the crucifixion. And there is debate as to whether or not this is actually the path. Uh, there was a, a medieval um, tradition that this was the path primarily because it was known that the Antonia Fortress, which was located at the northwest corner of the Temple Mount, a, a Roman garrison was, uh, was uh, stationed there, that this was assumed that this was the place where Pilate stayed when he came to Jerusalem. Uh, most modern scholars do not believe that today. Uh, they believe that King Herod, or excuse me, yeah, Pilate stayed at King Herod's uh, palace, which was on the western ridge, the higher, the upper hill of Jerusalem. And that's where he stayed because it was palatial. It wasn't Spartan like it would have been if he had stayed at the um, Antonia Fortress. So the, the Via Della Rosa was considered because of the, uh, the place of uh, where Pilate condemned Jesus being the Antonia Fortress. This is a path today that leads you to the Church of the Holy Sepulchre, which is the traditional place where it is believed that, that Jesus uh, was crucified and near there where he was buried and, and resurrected. Uh, there is another place uh, Gordon 
Calvary uh, and also uh, the garden tomb that is sometimes thought as another place. I believe there's more evidence personally for the traditional site around the Church of the Holy Sepulchre as the place where Jesus died. So if that's the case, then the Via Dolorosa was actually not coming from the uh, Antonia Fortress, but was actually coming from the area just south of the Jaffa Gate on the western side of Jerusalem. That would have actually been the historical Via Dolorosa coming from there where Pilate condemned Jesus and then took him northward toward the Church of the Holy Sepulchre. Bruce, I know you and I both agree uh, on the fact that the Church of the Holy Sepulchre probably is the historical location where Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection, and, you know, we can debate all day about that with people as well, but that's sure. really not even the point. You know, uh, it, it's fun to, I, I, you know, you and I are alike, Bruce. Uh, it's fun to geek out, as I would say, on the historical data of, of, of these events, but it's not where in Jerusalem that matters the most. It's it's why Christ died that matters. Uh, what are your feelings about that, Bruce, especially when we go to Jerusalem and we go to Israel? You know, we don't want the, the data and the these things to get in the way of the real meaning of why we're there. Could you share a little bit about that? Sure. It's, you know, I agree with you. You can get really excited about uh, the historical locations and the ancient stones and all of that. And, and that's good to study it. And I, I encourage people to do that. But like you said, the most important point of it all is that the son of God came from heaven and took on human flesh. And he came in order to bring salvation to all those who believe in him. He died on a real historical Roman cross. He was put in a real historical tomb, and he rose from that tomb three days later. And through that historical event, then anyone who puts their faith in Jesus, the Messiah, has their sins forgiven, and they have the free gift of eternal life, which is not just a change of destination to heaven, but it's to get to know God as Jesus himself prayed. This is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God in Jesus Christ whom you have sent, John 17, 3. So the significance of all of this is that it's not just a fairy tale. It's not a made-up story. It's not a fable. It is a historical event that took place at a historical location in Jerusalem and the, even more specifically at a, at a specific place in Jerusalem, that God provided salvation to all who would believe in his son. That's the significance of it. That's why it matters. Amen, Bruce. Well, we've been speaking with Bruce Scott, who is our program ministries director here at the Friends of Israel Gospel Ministry. If Listen, if you want to read Bruce's articles uh, and connect with the entire devotional uh, um, Israel My Glory that we have on the road to Zion, then I want to encourage you to go to foiradio.org and there you can get your one year free subscription if you've never subscribed before. Bruce, thank you so much for being with us. Thank you, Chris. It was a pleasure. Thanks to Bruce Scott for being with us today. If you have never subscribed to Israel My Glory magazine, we invite you to receive a free one-year subscription. Again, that's absolutely free. You can find out more at foiradio.org. Chris, where are we headed next week? 
Yeah, Steve, with the anniversary of the Six-Day War coming up in June, I thought we would take some time to study uh, the Six-Day War. What happened and what were the results of the Six-Day War for the state of Israel? Uh, And so we're going to look for the next two episodes at the Six-Day War, a very important strategic moment in Israel's modern history. We hope you join us then. Our host and teacher is Chris Katolko. Today's program was produced by Tom Gallione, engineered by Bob Beebe, edited by Jeremy Strong, who also composed and performs our theme music. And I'm Steve Conover, executive producer. Our mailing address is FOI Radio PO Box 914, Bellamar, New Jersey 08099. Again, that's FOI Radio PO Box 914, Bellamar, New Jersey 08099. And I'll give you one last quick reminder to visit us at foiradio.org. The Friends of Israel Today is a production of the Friends of Israel Gospel Ministry. We are a worldwide evangelical ministry proclaiming biblical truth about Israel and the Messiah while bringing physical and spiritual comfort to the Jewish people.